You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. So good. Man, so good to be with you guys. I uh, had just such a great dinner last night with your pastors and just adore them and just so grateful for what they're doing out here. Uh, when I landed here in New Zealand, I've been here a couple times in Auckland, and I was excited to be able to come, and then I landed yesterday, and it, I, I think I landed in England. I full-on landed in gray, overcast, rainy. I had a day yesterday walking around Auckland, and it was depressing. But this morning I woke up, the sun's out, and I'm just believing God this whole week the sun's going to come out. Will you believe with me? No? Uh, I appreciate it raining for the five days I'm here, but so good to see. It's funny, you guys are handing out those uh, crunchies. Uh, my kids, who they grew up going to England and Australia with us, the crunchies are the one thing that I have to go home with. If I don't come home with an entire bag full of crunchies that will last them for two months, they disown me. They disown me. So... So I'll, I'll be bringing my kids home. Hey, it is good to be with you guys and just so encouraged by what God's doing in this church and this movement around New Zealand. And uh, just, just, I, I just, it's just a good day to be alive. Can I tell you this? I know there's a lot of stuff happening in the world, but I tell you what God is doing in the earth today is unprecedented. And this past season is unto something. And I believe, even as I come today, just really praying into what to share with this congregation, this church, I really feel like the Lord wanted me to talk about something around fathers and mothers, but it's connected ultimately to this. Ultimately, um, my heart's to see revival. I want to see a move of God in our day. And I want to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want to see a harvest come in. I want to see a generation awakened by the love and power of Jesus. I want to see the name of Jesus exalted. And I want to see righteousness established. I just want to see revival in our day. But as we lean into that and press on that, it's one of the reasons why I'm such a die-hard local church guy. Uh, I, I mean, I believe so deeply in the local church because I believe the local church is the vehicle through which revival flows. And, uh, but as we look at this thing, I really believe that the Lord, coming out of this past season, it was, uh, it was what I'd call a season of revealing and a season of invitation. It's a, it's a season where God was revealing things, but then inviting us to things. Where he was revealing immaturity, but inviting us to a deeper realm of maturity. And one of the things that I believe God revealed in the past season was some division that is in the church that's crept in from the world. The reality is, is this. We know the world's divided. We know the world is divided along socioeconomic lines, along gender lines, along race lines, along, along education lines, along geographic lines, along generational lines. We know that's the world. I think the part that I really feel the Lord wanted to challenge us on is much of that has come into the church, and it got exposed. And here's why I think it has to be dealt with, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this, but it has to be dealt with because one of the things that will hinder revival is the disconnect between the generations. Because the pattern we see throughout Scripture is the generations working together to see victory. I'm going to get to that. Do you have your Bibles? Go to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. I told the first service, if you didn't bring your Bible to church, look around, find a Christian, sit next to them and read theirs. <laughs> Come on. And your digital Bible doesn't count. Can I tell you right now, you pulling out your smartphone for your Bible, 
No, no, your smartphone's not going with you to heaven. You know what's going to heaven? Your leather-bound Bible. That's what's going through the pearly gates with you. No smartphone. So, so Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. If you grew up in church at all, you're going to know the story that I'm going to read to you this morning. Uh, it's the first mention of Joshua. And uh, the Israelites are about to fight the Amalekites. And when the Israelites left Egypt after 400 years of slavery, when they left Egypt, they didn't just leave with their own possessions. They left actually with a ton of gold. The Bible actually talks about how the Egyptians were leaving, as the, as the Israelites were leaving, the Egyptians were just giving them gold and earrings and all this type of stuff. So all of a sudden you've got a million plus people walking through the desert with a ton of cash. And so uh, nations like the Amalekites would come and kind of pick fights with the Israelites to try to get some of that cash. And this is the first story, this is the first mention of Joshua, where Moses is going to instruct Joshua to go fight the Amalekites. He's going to go up on a hill with the rod of God. He's going to tell him to go fight the Amalekites. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 says this. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let, his hand down, when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady till the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. The victory the Israelites experienced in this moment was more dependent on the rod in Moses' hands than the sword in Joshua's hand. The story is an interesting story because it really does give this picture of what it looks like for the generations when properly aligned to actually see victory. John Wesley, in his commentary about this passage, actually says that the Israelites' success was more dependent on Moses' hands than Joshua's hands. Because Moses, the older generation, had the rod of God. It represented authority. The rod represented authority. And although Joshua had the sword, Moses had the rod. And, and, and the story is, is that when Moses gets to the top of the hill, he began to grow weary, he grew tired, and he became out of position. And when he was out of position, alignment was broken, and Joshua, who, who when, when Moses dropped his hand, Joshua still had a sword, Joshua still had a skill set of fighting, Joshua still had energy, but the key was not Joshua and the sword, the key was Moses and the rod. And I will tell you right now, and I, and I mean this, I, I am not here just to, just to give you a nice sermon and try to encourage you and send you home. I am here because I want to see revival in the earth. And I am convinced and I, that the older generation is absolutely critical for what God wants to do in the church and in the earth today and with the harvest that's about to come in. And I will say this, that when, when the Israelites were being defeated... God did not send reinforcements to Joshua. He sent reinforcements to Moses because Moses was the key. 
And I believe right now we're going to find this. And I don't, I don't know where the, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know where the older generation starts. It was always just older than me. That was, my, that was my theory in life. And now that I'm 46, it's getting a little bit harder to act like I'm in the younger generation. So it all, when I was 36, the older generation was 37 and above. When I was 41, it was 42 and above. And now it's a little bit. But, but, but for those 40 and above, I believe that God is about to send reinforcements to you. I, about, I believe he's going to come strengthen you. He's, I believe he's going to begin to release debt from you. He's going to begin to restore relationships. And God is going to come and begin to breathe life into some areas because you need to be in position, strengthened, if we're going to see victory in the hour. And God has called you. I believe the great need of this hour, I will say this, I believe the great need of this hour is fathers and mothers. And I'm not talking about fathers and mothers. I'm not, when I'm talking about the younger generation, I'm not just talking about teenagers. I'm not talking about volunteering at youth group, which you should do. But it's, it's, it's teens, it's 20s, it's, those, it's young families, it's 30s, it's young adults. That, that, that as a church and as the older generation, we would say we are not going to allow the division. And this is what got exposed. What got exposed in the church, I believe. And listen, I may be, I, everything you're going to get from me is going to be filtered through my American experience with, with all that happened and our election and all that stuff. But, but what I see in the Western church in general is that this division that has come that's trying to separate and disconnect the generations. And I'm just calling the older generation to this thing right now. We refuse to go down that road. We are going to move towards the younger generation. We are going to be connected and in alignment. In fact, when Malachi, in the Old Testament, when it says that, that the spirit of Elijah is going to come and it's going to, re, it's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children and the fathers, lest he come and strike the earth with a curse. The key is this. The first step is not the hearts of the children's turning. The first step is the hearts of the fathers and the mothers that say we refuse to allow any disconnect and we are going to be properly aligned for what God wants to do in the earth. This is the pattern that we see throughout Scripture. The pattern we see throughout Scripture is it's, it's Moses walking with Joshua that see the people of Israel after 400 years, after almost 500 years, step into their promised land. It's Elijah Mentoring Elisha, who see Jezebel dethroned and righteousness reestablished in the land. It's Mordecai fathering Esther that sees a nation saved. It's Paul. It's Paul encouraging, it's Barnabas encouraging Timothy and Paul fathering, it's, it's Barnabas encouraging Paul and Paul fathering Timothy that see churches birthed in the New Testament. This is the pattern we see again and again throughout Scripture, that God uses the generations together to see his plans and purposes established in the earth. But I've spent, I've spent, I, I mean, I, we planted eight years ago, so senior pastor for a little bit now, but, but the two decades previous to that, I was speaking predominantly to teens and young adults, and I spent a long time just calling them to honor the older generation. One of the things that's grieved me the most is the dishonor that's been in the younger generation in the past season. But, but I am here, I, and, and for those under 40, you, you'll get something out of what I, what I say today. But for those over 40, I just want to tell you this. You have what the younger generation needs. There is great strength and great blessing that is released when the generations walk together. But I will tell you this, that the older generation, you have what the younger generation needs. This is how God set it up. 
This is how biblically this thing is set up. I'm going to give you four quick things, and you can write them down if you're taking notes. But, but there, there's four things, there's, there's more, but I'm just going to highlight four, that I believe the older generation has, that the younger generation needs, that God wants to release through you to see the church in full strength impacting cities. The first one is this, covering. One of the great, one of the great privileges of my life as a dad is to cover my kids. And, and, and part of my concern is that we have left in the church a generation uncovered. I think we look and we wonder why they're under such assault and why we're taking so many losses, and some of it is, is because we haven't covered them. There's a passage, Mordecai, who is the adopted father of Esther. In fact, if you, the book is titled Esther, but the story is just as much about Mordecai as it is Esther, if you really read it. It is about Esther and Mordecai walking together. It's not just a story about Esther. The book begins, the book ends with Mordecai actually being exalted. But there's a, past, there's a, there's a verse I want to read. Mordecai, the adopted father of Esther. Esther is going into the king's court, and she's going to be prepared for nine months to stand before the king to figure out whether she'll be queen. And this is an important part because she's going to stand before the, the king and, and uh, plead for her people and save her nation. But when she's in there getting ready for nine months, listen to this verse of Mordecai. It says, and Esther 2, verse 11, And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. There's a picture of, of the older generation of fathers and mothers who are covering the younger generation. Esther is getting prepared for the call of God on her life, and Mordecai is just out front pacing. You can imagine the people that are coming in and out of the court, they just see Mordecai every day. Every day he's just out front pacing. And somebody would come out and he'd say, tell me what's going on with Esther. How's it going on? How's it, how, what's happening with Esther? Make sure she knows that I'm praying for her. Make sure she knows that she's covered in this thing. There's something around, I remember um, my I have a, uh, I cry during movies. Uh, well, well, I cry during certain movies. Certain movies I cry during. And it's always like loyalty, like I'm willing to lay my life down loyalty movies. So I cry during military movies mainly. Like military movies of like men putting their lives on the line for other men and sacrificing for their country. And I look at, but one of the scenes is in Black Hawk Down. If you've ever seen Black Hawk Down. And, and the, the helicopter goes down in this kind of warlord neighborhood. And, and, and they can't get to, so Mike Durant gets captured, one of the pilots. So all these guys, they can't get to him, and he's captured, and he's overnight. But, but they, there's a scene where Mike Durant is captured. They can't get to him yet, but they fly a helicopter in circles over the neighborhood. And over the loudspeaker all night long, they just say, Mike Durant, we will not leave you behind. Mike Durant, we will not leave you behind. Every time. <laughs> Ooh, we're coming, Mike. We're, like, I just, I just am a wreck every time. Mike Durant, we will not leave you behind. But this is what I feel our responsibility is. I have a 17-year-old son. I remember what I, I realized when he became a teenager, what I want him to know is this. As his dad, what I want him to know is this. Son, I don't know what you're going to be walking through as a teenager. 
I don't know all that you're going to face. I don't know the ups and downs. I don't know the obstacles. I don't know all the temptations that you're going to have to face. But here's what I want you to know. You will not be doing it on your own. I don't know everything you're going to face, but here's what I guarantee you. You will not be facing it by yourself. And I will be praying for you, and I will be covering you, and I will be walking with you. And he, and he may not know everything that I'm doing, but he, I'm in my room with my Bible open reading the, the Apostle Paul's prayers over my kids. And I'm just declaring this, that the Spirit of God is stronger than the Spirit of the age over my children. And my children have been marked by the blood of the Lamb. And, and I, I mean, we just, I'm covering my children. And I'm letting them know you don't have to walk on your own. See, I'm not just talking about teenagers. Where are the fathers and mothers that will come alongside the young married couple? And just say, hey, you just got married. Marriage is hard. It's, it's difficult. It's amazing. It's rewarding. But I'm going to walk with you in this. And I'm going to be praying for you in this. And I'm going to be covering you in this. It's our responsibility to cover them. But the second thing is this, is that the younger generation needs, and I'm, I, I keep repeating myself, I'm not just talking about teenagers. The younger generation needs wisdom. Do you know one of the main ways that God releases wisdom to people is through the older generation? Yeah. You, we, cannot, we cannot look around the younger generation and go, what a bunch of fools. Yeah. If I'm unwilling to go walk with them, yeah. because God has placed wisdom in my life that gets released when I walk with you. This is, this is the story of Moses and Joshua. Deuteronomy 34.9, listen to this. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid hands on him. Think about this concept, that Joshua actually walked in wisdom because Moses got close enough to him to lay hands on him. See, older generation, you have a wisdom that the younger generation needs. And I would, if I was preaching to young right now, I'd say, they have a wisdom you need. But, but older generation, part of my concern this past, this past season is that some of that wisdom has got misdirected to venting on Facebook. Yeah. It's a nervous laughter because I'm right. <laughs> it's, it's this kind of thing where sometimes I just want to come alongside older people who I believe deeply in. I am one. And we have our political opinions, and we've got our frustrations with society, and we want to do this thing. And I want to go, there's wisdom on your life, but first of all, let me just clarify this. If you're posting wisdom on Facebook, the younger generation are not here. They're not on Facebook. Can I just, can I just clarify that real quick? You're talking to your age and older. But, but it's not just that I'm supposed to be all frustrated. I'm supposed to go walk with somebody. I'm supposed to go walk with somebody. We need wisdom. I remember uh, when I was in uh, middle school. Would you have middle school here? That kind of. Uh, I remember I was preaching for a middle school camp when I was youth pastor, and I was trying to think of stories of when I was in middle school that I that could relate to them. And I, I remember sitting in the cabin before I was going to preach at this camp. In every story, I just stopped and thought, "What was I thinking? <laughs> like, what was going through my mind in that moment?" One of them was, I was probably 13 years old, 12, 13. 
we would hang out all summer long with these neighborhood friends and uh, Peter and Drew and Peter lived backed up to this massive field and one day Peter and we would just go and just hang out and then just try we were so bored we just make up games so we were out in this field with by Peter as Peter Drew and myself and we had this old metal baseball bat and we were just like hitting rocks like literally just sitting around hitting rocks and all of a sudden I had an idea for a game and I said guys I just thought of a game I just thought of a game and they're like what I said here's the game one of us is going to go sit with the bat with our back facing them. The other one's going to go over there and then throw a rock over your head. And then as it comes down in front of you, you're going to swing and hit it. No. <laughs> Drew and Pete look at me and go, that's awesome. <laughs> that game sounds incredible. Did you just think of that right now? I'm like, I just thought of it right now, guys. I don't even know what to tell you. It just comes to me. I just, I'm good at this. I, the, and Drew's like, I want to be the first one. Can I be the first one to hit? Of course you can be the first one to bat. Drew, we're your friends. So he comes over here. He's like, I'm so excited. Let's do this, you know. And so, so I'm, I'm Drew's friend. I want him to succeed. So my little middle school mind's thinking, okay, I need him to succeed. Well, I better make sure I get a big enough rock. <laughs> so I get the biggest rock I could find. And then I'm also thinking, like, I need to make sure I get this high enough because I need him to have enough time to react so it needs to be coming from as high as possible. So, so I full on. I'm just like, are you ready, Drew? He's like, oh, yeah. And, and, and I just chuck that rock. I'm just throwing it as high as I can in the air. And Drew's sitting over here. You know what happens. He's like, bam, just hits him, just lays him out. The younger generation needs wisdom. <laughs> they need somebody to come along and go, hey, what's going on, guys? What are you doing over here? See that scar on my head? Yeah, I did that once. The Bible says he who walks with the wise will be wise. It's, it's our job as the older generation to cover, but it's our job as the older generation not to just vent all of our opinions, but to actually get close enough relationally to walk with somebody where the wisdom of my life can become the wisdom in your life. I'm going to just quickly get to these next two, but, but the next one is identity. This is a big one. There's a whole generation. This is hands down the most identity crisis generation we've experienced. There are so many voices that are coming at them trying to tell them who they are. And do you know what the responsibility of the older generation is? It's to name kids. My son didn't pop out of the womb. My son's name is Lake, named after John G. Lake. We prayed into, his name's actually Wesley Asa Lake, Leap sure it's a longer story, but they're all prophetic names. And we really prayed into who the, who's going to be in this type of stuff, so we named him that way. He didn't pop out and say, I'm going to be Lake. No, we named him. And, and, and there's a generation that is so insecure because they don't know their identity. When you know your identity, you're secure. When you don't know your identity, you're insecure. But when I, and so it's our job as fathers and mothers to come alongside. This is Paul to Timothy. Paul was constantly reminding Timothy, hey, Timothy, I just need you to remember who you are. Timothy, this is who you are. Timothy, this is who you are. Even Paul writing to the churches, he goes, to the saints in Ephesus. Hey, guys, just need to remind you of who you are again. This is who you are. This is who you are. He was speaking identity. 
Charles Cooley is a dean of sociology from 100 years ago, whatever. He, he's famous for a concept called the looking glass self. And the looking glass self concept in essence says that who you are or what you think about yourself, how you view yourself, or, or kind of your self-esteem isn't dependent on what you think about yourself, but on what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. So he's saying your view of yourself isn't actually about what you think, but what you think somebody else thinks. That the, 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 it's, it's, it's why mothers are so important. You know, mothers take this place in their kid's life as such a massive role, and fathers as well, but, you, but, but mothers and fathers, and they have that thing. I remember Tony Coppola tells a story about a friend he had who got an F in a class. Do you have Fs out here? Got an F in a, failed a class. Came home, told his mother, I failed the class. And his mom responded by, it just shows you they don't know how to educate a genius at that school. Right. <laughs> That's called mom goggles. Mom, uh, mom goggles. Mom, the, like, so the kid comes home like, I failed the class, and the mom's like, well, you're a genius, so it just shows you they don't know how to educate you. And all of a sudden, the kid's like, the kid believes he's a genius. And you're like, you just, you just literally failed a class. I know, but my mom, my mom said I'm a genius. And she's the most important person in my life, so what I think about myself is actually what she thinks about me. It's fathers and mothers. I'm telling you, fathers and mothers going, can I just tell you who you are? Can I tell you who you are? Can I tell you who you are? And I'm going to speak identity into your life because you're going to have to be secure in the world you live in. And, we're, and listen, we can't, we can't allow voices in the world to be louder than the voices of fathers and mothers in the body of Christ. Fathers and mothers, your voices need to be louder than the world's voices when it comes to the generation in this church. The last one, and, and then let me... Uh, let me just talk practical. The last one is courage. Uh, 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 I'm the, Mordecai and Esther. Esther did not have the courage she needed to stand before the king apart from Mordecai. And so this is just a longer story, but, but when, when she said, if I die, I die, that wasn't her first response. Her first response was, Mordecai says, Esther, go stand before the king. And she says, no. She was literally there, positioned by God as queen for this moment. And when Mordecai says, you've got to go stand before the king to plead our cause, plead for your people, she says, no way. Because if I go before the king uninvited and he doesn't extend his scepter, I could die. Mordecai sends word back to her and says, Esther, if you don't go stand before the king, God will wipe you out. He'll wipe your family out. He'll raise somebody else up to do it. And then he says the phrase that we all put on you know, our bookmarks, but who knows, if you're brought into the kingdom for such a time as this, that's connected to if you don't, God's going to kill you. And then she, then she goes, all right, I'm going to go. I'd rather take my chances with the king than with God. And she says, I'm going to go in, and if I die, then I die. See, uh, Esther didn't even have the courage needed to do the call on her life apart from the older generation speaking into it. And I'm telling you right now, some of you young men in this room, you're struggling right now with purity. And you, 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 it, it takes courage to be who God's called you to be. Some of you in your marriage, it's struggling right now. It takes courage. Some of you are having to believe God for finances. Some of you are believing God for a business. It takes courage to do those things. And you need the older generation that comes alongside and says, if you don't do it, God will kill you. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's, that's Old Testament. That's Old Testament. We're New Testament. But it's the older generation. 
Let me just, let me just end with this. A lot, of, a lot of people that I run into, they say, I don't know where to start. They, they either feel inadequate because they themselves weren't really fathered or mothered, so they don't quite know how to do it, uh, or they just don't know where to start. They're running into walls with their younger generation because they kind of act like they don't need fathers and mothers. Let me just really practically tell you this, and this is just quickly the simple advice I would give you that I, I'm telling you, if the older generation just in this room begin to do this, I promise you, the fruit that you are going to see <laughs> is profound. The first thing is this. It, it's just five quick things. Adopt, encourage, pray, give, walk. You've got to, like, I really actually pray, and I'm paying attention. Every time, when, I, when you're walking into environments, I'm saying, Lord, who is it that you, uh, uh, Jesus says this. He says, he tells the Father, I didn't lose anybody you gave me. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed. 15,000 people left him on a hillside, but he turns to God and he says, I didn't lose anybody you gave me. There are people that I believe God wants to give to you. That they're your assignment. So as fathers and mothers, I'm walking around. And the Lord will speak to me and he'll say something. He'll just be like, I want you to adopt them. There was a, a worship leader that's uh, fairly famous right now. Church famous, but fairly famous. And I was, she was younger and I was in a meeting with her. Just a small group of people. And the Lord just said, she's a missionary. The Lord said, I want you to adopt her. Okay, then when the Lord speaks this to me, or when I feel this, or when we pray as a family, whatever else, when he speaks that to me, the next step for me is this. The next step is not, I'd like to give you all the wisdom I have. I'd like to speak into your life. I'd like to direct you. I'd like to rebuke you. I'd li like, that's not the next step. The next step is this. I'm going to be the biggest encourager in your life. Because I need permission to speak into your life. I don't need permission to encourage you. I need, you to, I need you to invite me in. Like, like uh, if there's a young married couple that you feel, maybe you and your wife are saying, man, I feel like we're supposed to adopt them. Okay, well, in order to speak into their marriage, you need an invitation. I don't need an invitation to pray for you or encourage you. <laughs> I don't need an invitation to tell you, hey, I was praying for you the other day, and the Lord just spoke this thing to me. And Man, I love what you were doing there. And, and, I, and I'm going to send you a text, and I'm going to see you on Sunday, and I'm going to take you out to lunch. Like, I don't need permission to do that. And I also don't need permission to pray for you. And I'm talking about actually praying. I'm not talking about posting something on social media. Which is a whole other sermon I have about, about, about posting I'm praying on social media. Anyways, um, but it, no, I'm actually praying. My wife and I, the other day, we're just thinking about you guys. We just took a few minutes to pray for you. So, so we adopt, we encourage. I'm just going to, I'm the biggest voice. Uh, this worship leader, for example, I, I, I was just, they were, she was doing an album. I'm just saying, hey, man, send me some old songs. I want to hear them. I'm saying, man, it's so good. It's so anointed. I'd hear a clip, and I would just text, hey, man, I just love what you're doing right there. It's so, like, it's so anointed what you're doing. Keep it up. Good job. Like, I'm going to be the biggest voice of encouragement in your life. I'm going to pray for you. And then here's the other thing. I'm going to give. There's a, uh, there, she, um, we can have the worship team come up. But there was a, um. Uh, she was getting married. So, so, um, so, so this couple right now, her and her husband, I speak into their life a lot. They call me for advice. They, 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 I mean, we've like, we're, we're close, but it, it started with just the Lord saying, Hey, I want you to adopt her. And then I would just begin to encourage. And then, and then I'm just looking for ways. I'm looking for ways. So, cause she's on my radar now. So she posted on Facebook, Hey, they're missionaries. They don't have a lot of money. And she said, does, 
Does anybody know anybody cheap in Southern California that can do my hair and makeup? Everybody I'm talking to is just so expensive. And I just got a hold of her right away. I said, are you needing somebody to do your hair and makeup for your wedding? She goes, yeah. I said, just go get it done. We will pay for whatever. I said, go get the, go get the hairdresser and makeup artist that you want. Not the discount one you're looking for. Go get the one you want and we'll cover it. Just that. There was a couple that my wife and I walk with. Um, we've been walking with them for well over a decade now. But when we first got in their life, they were just brand new married. And we were over at their house at a little apartment one day. We just went over to visit real quick. And it was kind of like pretty rough area. And I said, why are you guys living here? Why aren't you living in some other apartments? And they said, the other apartments, it was like a, it was $100 more a month. And they just said, we, we don't have the budget. I can't spend $100 more dollars comes from a very broken background, very poverty kind of like also kind of mindset across the board. And I just said, I said, listen, CJ and I will give you $100 a month for the next year. Next 12 months, I said, go get that other apartment. We will pay, we will, we will cover that $100 a month for the next 12 months. And I'm believing that God is going to do some things in your finances anyways where you won't even need that by the, by, at the end of the 12 months. And then the last one is just this. Bex, you can come up. Is, it's just that we're going to, it, once that happens, then you just begin to walk with them. Yeah. Do, do you, you know, I, I, listen, I'm, all the, I'm over here all the way from California, and I'm telling you right now, 40 and up, let's start adopting some younger generation. And let's walk with them, let's encourage them, let's give to them, let's believe in them, let's speak identity into their life. Like, this is what we're going to do. Let's bring wisdom. This is what we're going to do. And sometimes you're going to run into obstacles, and sometimes it's not super easy, and sometimes they, you know, they, they have resistance and all that. But even if you're resistant to me, it's going to be really hard to resist my encouragement. That's the other thing. Like, you may be resistant to my input, but I am just going to come hard at you with my encouragement. <laughs> I'm going to be the biggest voice of encouragement in your life. And when you say you got a missions trip, I'm going to be the first one to give to it and I'm going to be praying and when I heard you were going to go get a job interview I'm going to when you get in a job interview all right I'm going to set my clock right now because I'm going to pray for you when you're in that job interview and then I'm going to say hey did you get that job and they say I didn't get it you know what that's okay God's got something better for you I know he does God's got something better for you come on let's keep doing this this is what we're going to do if you're over 40 raise your hand I'm not gonna have you stand up just raise your hand over 40 over 40 can I tell this right now I'm not I'm not I'm not just up here cheerleading for you I'm telling you God, that's right. Better raise your hand, young man, right there. There we go. There we go. Come on. Come on, man. First time raising your hand. Older generation. Um, listen, you have what the body of Christ needs. And I'm telling you right now, God wants to send reinforcements to you. And we desperately need what you're carrying in the body of Christ. And I believe it's key to revival. So, Father, I just pray just a blessing to the older generation in this place. And I pray for the younger generation. God, stir their hearts as well to be able to connect and to be able to align properly. But, Lord, we just pray that this would be a church of the generations moving together to see revival in our day. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.